Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Time now on this Monday morning for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. And good morning, Simi. All right, let's talk about this BC Hydro news because, boy, this is not going over well with people. Well, it's not going over well with people who have electric vehicles. And BC Hydro has announced they're going to raise uh, the cost of uh, using one of their electric charging stations by about 15%. It's on a sliding scale depending on the kind of charging you're using, but it works out to about 15%. And they have to get that approved by the Independent BC Utilities Commission, which is conducting a review. And BCUC, as it always does, is inviting public response. And of course, the response is coming from people who have electric vehicles who don't want to pay 15% more. I get it. But I would say as well, Simi, looking at the math on this thing and on the pitches that are being made for people to get electric vehicles... This is not really a financial hardship. Going to an electric vehicle is still going to save you an awful lot of money. Right. And that's the thing. People still have to crunch the numbers, right, for themselves. Yeah. I think it's the idea. What what bothers people is that you encouraged us to do this. You tell yeah. us this is the future. And then as soon as we start doing it, now you're going to ding us for more money. Well, there's some truth to that. You know, uh <laughs> BC government, federal government, they make an awful lot of money off gas taxes. And for a while, people have been saying, well, what, what's going to happen to that revenue stream if people actually do switch to electric vehicles? Government's going to have to find the money somewhere else. Well, you know, government, right? <laughs> they're going to cut spending? No, they're going to find the money somewhere else. So I think that's what we're looking at in the long term. But not to go too deeply into the math, I'm indebted to the Victoria Electrical Vehicle Association, Uh, Owners Association for a couple of mathematic points. So one of the people that's quoted in the Canadian press story on this complaining about the rise in the cost of charging an electric vehicle is saying that when he switched to a total EV from a gas-powered vehicle, he's saving $350 a month on fuel. So that's a good big saving, and that's a lot of money spread over a year. Well, The Victoria Electric Vehicle Association, Simi, in persuading people to go to electric vehicles is saying there's a myth that, you know, charging rates make it expensive to own an electrical vehicle. They say, no, existing BC Hydro rate will cost you about $1.80 for a charge up that will allow you to drive 100 kilometers. And... Average Canadian driving distance over a year is 15,000 kilometers. So at existing hydro rates, you'll be paying hmm, around $300 a year to charge your vehicle. Well, this guy in Nanaimo saved $350 a month by switching to an electric vehicle. So Sydney, even if they raised the rates of hydro by 15%, (laughs) 
an EV is a heck of a deal. There are other economic issues with electric vehicles, including, you know, how much it costs to buy one up front and all that. And I get that concern. But really, uh, seriously, this is not a hardship, what BC Hydro is proposing. I also, it's interesting you point that out, too, because I know that there's a number of people, and there's more and more of this, is people who have bought EVs but don't have charging at home. Yes. And I've That's noticed a really this a lot. I've noticed this a lot because then this, and the, I think the driver that you're talking about also was relying on public chargers because didn't have charging at home. And I think you have to, I think you have to start thinking about seriously too, where am I going to charge this thing? Uh, that's true. And of course, you can go to private sites. There are private sites, but they charge and Hydro is saying they charge more. So Hydro is saying all it's trying to do is equalize. But the problem of charging at home is a really good one because, <clears throat> I mean, when you hear from people, okay, if, if you're doing it in your own home, well, you pay for the installation of the charger and there is an incentive to do that. The big problem, as I understand it, is with the age of your strata. If you live in a strata, adding a charging station to a strata can be very expensive because, first of all, everybody in the strata is going to want to use it eventually if you put it into the underground parking lot. Second of all, uh, I've heard from people who've tried to do that. They say it's an old building. Uh, they're going to have to upgrade the electrical carrying yeah. capacity of the building in order to put in a, pub, uh, a charging station. <laughs> and then... All their neighbors are going to want to use it as well. So obviously the Strata Council is going to have to go for it. Strata Council looks at the cost. How many of the people in the Strata actually want to charge an EV? Not many right now. So the economics don't work there. Now, the government did, Simi, offer a program, $14 million for two years to pay for the cost of converting Stratas. That money's run out. And there's a question now as to whether or not the government will do it again and provide more incentive to do it. But yeah, so you're right, Simi. What happens is people don't have their own charging station at home. So they go to the public station if there happens to be one in their town or their community. And Hydro is now saying, we're going to get you to pay a bit more for that so we can expand our charging network around British Columbia. That's another hardship for EV owners. It's relatively easy to charge up in Vancouver, Victoria, Metro Vancouver, Southern right. Vancouver Island. You got to drive a long way and run out of electricity, some people in the north and the interior. Vaughn, there's going to be a lot more discussion about the whole BC Hydro EV thing. But also this morning, we're going to talk about the comparison when we talk about wildfires, what we see happening in Maui versus what we see happening here in BC. Yeah, I mean, I think British Columbians obviously... Uh, transfixed by the horror of what happened in Maui. A lot of British Columbians go to Maui, go to Hawaii and know the community that was destroyed. And there's the death toll, which is horrific. And the cost of rebuilding, what the count now of buildings destroyed is over 2,000. The one thing, oh, and the, and the other thing you think about is there are news reports now and you're seeing it that, that Hawaii was warned. That yes. That was, was vulnerable and you need to deal with this. 
the water systems, the hydro systems, elect- I mean, the electrical systems, the water systems, the firefighting ability, all needed to be upgraded. And, uh, hmm, you know, we can be accused of that here in British Columbia, too. We're learning whether we're learning from the fallout from floods or fires. But also, can one, I just say, can one, I just jump yeah, in here? Ahead. Yeah, about the warning system as well. Like, I always knew that Hawaii had a pretty good warning system for tsunamis, right? Because it's a, it's yes. a siren system, and I've been there when it's tested before. Yep. So you know they have it, and they never activated it. Instead, they used the emergency alert system, the tech system that we're familiar with here, but well, the power was already out for people, so they didn't get those messages. Yeah, no, I, th- that's right. And you're right about the tsunami warning. The Tsunami Museum in Hilo is well worth a visit if anyone's going to the Big Island because they've actually had two tsunamis within living memory. So, yes, that's all true. And we can look at some other place and say, what are we doing? But here's one that just jumped out at me because of recent coverage. So it's been over two years now since Lytton was destroyed by fire. And we've heard repeated promises from federal and provincial government. We've got your back. We're going to be there. You're going to be rebuilding. A year ago, the provincial government, well, rebuilding was going to be well underway by this time. Lytton is still struggling. Uh, A community of 300 people, the businesses there, Simi, can't get federal government relief from CERB. Ottawa's making them repay their CERB loans. They don't have a business. They can't get the financing to build it. So I guess one question I asked looking at Maui, and I think we'll be monitoring and we should monitor over time passes, is do we really think that in Maui two years from now, nothing will have been done? I, I don't think that's how the American system works. There may be more litigation there, but I will be very surprised if the rebuilding isn't well underway two years from now. And yet here we are in British Columbia. Lytton is still, to a great degree, stalled. And, you know, some of the so many of the same issues will watching the rebuilding that will happen in Maui, too. uh, There are a lot of indigenous artifacts, a lot of indigenous history that went up in flames in Maui. Lots of concerns about making sure local Hawaiians, indigenous Hawaiians, people who live on Maui are supported ahead of big business and corporate. Like all of that is going to apply to what we talk about here in B.C., too. Yeah, that's true. But I think the Americans also have a reputation for getting on with it. Yes. Uh, with getting on with it. And that community is so central to the tourist industry in Hawaii that, I mean, part of the problem with Lytton is it's it's a little tiny community that is enormously important to the people who live there. But has it really commanded the attention of BC's political parties of the BC government and the federal government, their opposition members who've repeatedly raised this federally and provincially. I give them credit for trying to keep the story alive. But, you know, if that were a community represented in parliament by a government member and in the provincial legislature by a government member, it's not. Would we have still be talking two years later about how, oh, well, you know, the permitting is complex and, oh, we have environmental review. Oh, and we have to clean up the site and all that. All, all that's true. Yeah. But if it had a powerful government using its regulations to push, 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 don't you think we would be rebuilding Litton by now and yeah. would have started at least a year ago? Also, just let people do it. If they want to yeah. do it and rebuild, just let them start. 
it's, there are some people who've, who've gone back, right? I mean, yeah. every now and then one of our, you know, when our reporters go up there and try to cover this and they say, oh, this is interesting. Uh, so-and-so just said to hell with it and, and opened a business or went back, built a house, right? And, yeah. and you know, it, it's true that there's been some of that, but still it, it, you can see all the bureaucratic obstacles and regulations and all that. And, you know, you read it all down. It's, complicated but okay it's complicated but <clears throat> this is there are people who left Lytton and who still haven't gone back to Lytton they've moved on with their lives one of the open questions about Lytton is will it ever come back I mean it moved out and you lived on a relative's or friend's couch for a few weeks after the fire and then after a few months realized that nothing is happening you may have moved somewhere else permanently, got a job somewhere else, and, you know, you might visit Lytton someday, go back. But again, Simeon, go back to two years ago, John Horgan, we've got your back. We're going to build a world-class safe community. When? That's it's, a very good question. It, we haven't gotten there yet, and I think with greater political will, um, we would have. So, okay, we saw Grand Prairie in Alberta they rebuilt a lot faster than we did here in British Columbia. I think we're going to be looking at Maui and see how the Americans are doing. And again, British Columbians are going to want to go back to Maui. So they're going to be able to see it eventually. Yeah. And I will be surprised if two years from now, they're looking at nothing but rubble and empty lots. Yeah, I don't think they will be. All right. Thank you for that, Vaughn. Bye-bye, Simon.